foot in the door to the actual privacy world, which was all that I cared about. As long as I could get my foot in the door, you can go anywhere. Are you ready to know what you don't know about Privacy Pros? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Privacy Pros Academy podcast by KZN Privacy Experts, the podcast to launch, progress and excel your career as a Privacy Pro. Hear about the latest news and developments in the world of privacy. Discover fascinating insights from leading global privacy professionals. And hear real stories and top tips from the people who've been where you want to get to. We're an official IAPP training partner. We've trained people in over 137 countries and counties. So, whether you're thinking about starting a career in data privacy, or you're an experienced professional, this is the podcast for you. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the KZN Privacy Pros Academy podcast. My name is Rehana. I am the Quality Control Coordinator at KZN Privacy Expert and I've been with the company since 2016. I am primarily responsible for ensuring all our deliverables, products and services achieve and maintain the high standard that clients and students expect when engaging a leading world-class consultancy. My co-host today is Jamal Ahmed, Fellow of Information Privacy and CEO at KZN Privacy Experts. He is a leading global privacy professional, world-class trainer and lead mentor at the Privacy Pros Academy. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here again today. Our lovely guest today is Emma Godfrey. Emma is a data protection advisor for a leading estate agent in England. Emma brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to her role from her past experience. She was a foster carer and has worked for the Royal Military Police and one of the largest insurance companies in the United Kingdom. She recently started on her journey as a privacy pro and learns something new every day. Emma has learned to harmonize her passion for privacy with her passion for Star Trek. While studying, she applied the GDPR to the fictional corporation Starfleet. Welcome, Emma. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Emma. Hi, nice to be here. Before we even get started, there's a question I really want to ask you. While you were doing your studying, can you tell me what was the name of the supervisory authority in the Klingon Empire? <laughs> We didn't get that far, unfortunately. My main focus was Earth, so I didn't get as far as Klingon. I stuck to what I knew at the time. So, <laughs> When you discover it, do share with us and I'll send an email to the European Data Protection Board to make sure they include any updates to them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Them and everybody else that comes along with the Federation. <laughs> as always, we start with an icebreaker. If a movie was made of your life, what genre would it be and who would play you? <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier today. I was watching a programme where somebody asked the exact same question to somebody and I genuinely thought, I have no idea. The trouble I have with my life is that I've been all over the world. My father was part of the armed forces. I've been everywhere all over the world. And actually, nothing really happened. <laughs> so... <laughs> I think if it was going to be a genre, probably a drama, because there was a lot of that at some point. Mm. As to who would play me, I would have loved someone like a young Judy Dench to play somebody like me because she's phenomenal. She's had an amazing career, but also she's not too 
over the top. She's not the what you would classify as a, a standard in the Hollywood area. So for me, someone like that would be really at least down to earth, which I think is probably what I need. <laughs> Very interesting. It's interesting uh, how much of a coincidence that is that you'd actually seen that question being asked and had a chance to think about it. <laughs> it's not something I generally think of because my life isn't all that interesting, but actually somebody quite down to earth, I think, would probably be best. Emma, I must admit I am rather curious and I am sure a lot of people are thinking the same thing too. You have this fantastic wealth of experience, a very interesting background, travelling the world family that have served in the armed forces and yourself being with the military police and a background of being a foster carer. How did you get into data privacy? So I've always had an interest in privacy because of where I've been and where I've come from. My family is quite a private family. You know, my mother and my father were both in the armed forces. So whenever we went to foreign countries, it was paramount to have that privacy because it was for your own safety. Then when I started working for an insurance company, as you can imagine, it's all very built in. And from the moment you enter the doors, you know, it's something that they drill into you day and night. You know, our customers' privacy is paramount. You need to keep that to yourself and everything that you discuss, you discuss within these walls and no further and obviously as a foster carer it's a given you know it's something that you have to have ingrained in you you can't talk about these cases outside of your own home and actually outside of your own immediate family and some of the things you see are very sensitive so for me I almost grew up with it to a point where actually when I started to sort of realise that my career wasn't really going in the way that I wanted, I was lucky enough to be part of a customer relations team, which is complaints effectively. I ended up with a data protection officer who had just come into the company I worked for and was overhauling their privacy and overhauling their data protection policy. Mm. And he was kind enough to sort of teach me the basics point me in the right direction as to where I wanted to go. I started off with data subject access requests and I I loved every minute of it. I loved being able to decide what people got and what they didn't get and what they were allowed and what they weren't allowed. And for me, it sounds a bit like a power trip, which I guess it kind of is, but I love being able to have that control where in a lot of other places, I don't have that control. And actually, he really pointed me in that direction and really gave me the opportunity to start doing what I knew was going to be something I I wanted to do in the future. And then COVID came along and I was on furlough. So I started studying properly and it just kind of snowballed from there really. And I was very, very lucky to have somebody notice my LinkedIn profile through somebody else and actually offer me a very junior role, but something which I can learn from. All right. Come on to that in a minute. I thought you were going to talk about your experience as a uh, in, in fostering as well. Many years ago, I would assess potential foster parents. Everything in that line of work was special category data and the welfare, the well-being of that child was paramount. Safeguarding came into it a lot and data protection actually goes hand in hand with that. Data protection is a safeguard to that child from potential harm. There's so much that you can transfer over. 
it is very similar to even something like complaints handling. And you wouldn't think the two and two would marry together. But you think in foster care, you are dealing with very volatile situations on almost an hourly basis. You know, you have to communicate with, you know, professionals who have been doing their job for, you know, years, decades, even, you know, people who know more than you do. And you've got this vulnerable person who's by your side and you're speaking for them. And there's a lot of conflict management in that. And there's a lot of saying no when you know that no is the right answer. And actually in privacy, a lot of the times you are going to have to say the word no and you're going to have to be very comfortable with saying that word because it's surprising how many people aren't comfortable with saying the word no and, you know, really don't feel comfortable with being negative about something and sometimes it calls for it. The situation will all, you know, will, will sometimes call for a for a no. It's just how it works. And actually, something like foster care is something that can really help with that because there's a lot of conflict management and trying to solve a potentially potentially dangerous situation. So it's 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 all there. It's all building blocks to where you want to be. Well, I, I want to revisit something you said a little bit earlier, Emma. So you was explaining in one of your roles, you was a little bit frustrated with where your career was heading. Uh, maybe you was fed up of just running the same process over and over again without having some kind of a meaningful, rewarding job. And when you speak about your new role as a privacy professional, I see you light up and I'm following all of your wonderful posts about your experiences on LinkedIn. What is it about data privacy that you find is so exhilarating or that you're so passionate about that makes you want to get up out of bed in the morning and do a full day's work? So for me personally, I found that other job roles I've done in the past, with the exception of foster care, you are treated very much as if you are almost a commodity. You're sort of told when you can come to work. You're told what your shift pattern is. You're told what you're doing that day. You're told what training you can do. And if it's outside of that, you know, it's very hard to progress any further. It's very hard to learn those skills that will allow you to not only do your job properly, but potentially progress into other areas of, of that particular business. And that's something I found with my last role. You know, I wasn't getting the guidance that I wanted. I wasn't getting the training that I wanted. And actually, as soon as I knew that I wanted to go into privacy, I sat my manager down and said, I would really like to learn more about this. Is there anything I can do within the company? Because I have a very good relationship with our DPO. And they very clearly told me no. And that if I wanted to, I'd have to go and do it myself. That's what I did. I went away and I did it myself. Because when I sat down and I thought about the privacy world and I started looking into it, you're treated not only as an adult, but you're treated as a professional adult. You know, you can decide what you want to learn. And there's so many different areas that you can learn. And there's so many different topics that you can find out more about. You can go into the law side of it, be that technical about it. You can go into the technology side of it. You can go into the incident prevention and response side of it. You know, there's so many different areas. And that for me was massive. There's so much room for development and for growth that you'd never run out of possibilities there's never ever that opportunity to run out for me that's huge that's massive absolutely thank you so much for sharing that I'm going to delve a little bit into that uh, in, in just a moment but before I do that I just want to pick up on one thing you said you said the moment I knew I wanted to get into data privacy I sat down with my manager talk to me about the moment that you knew and what led you to knowing data privacy is for Emma. when I did my first data subject access request I knew. I knew instantly. 
There was no question for me. It was a really simple access request. It was, I think they were asking for a copy of a phone call, which is, you know, an email to IT and send them a letter saying, we acknowledge your request and that's it. That's all you really did until you got that recording and then you sent it in the post. It was the most simple thing you could ever imagine. The moment I sat and I did that and I was typing up the letter and I was acknowledging this and I was putting a reference number and doing all the technical things that needed to go in there, I knew. I knew then this was something I wanted to do. And ironically, I don't do any subject access requests anymore, but <laughs> I do everything else instead. <laughs> That's when I knew. All right. So you found yourself doing a subject access request. And for some reason, this really resonated with you. And it's like, you know what? This is what I want to spend the rest of my career doing. <laughs> and then you decided data privacy is for me. So what did you do after that? The question, okay, is this really for me? What are the kind of questions that you had? Uh, before you took the jump to really invest in the training and other additional stuff that comes along with it? Because I had that relationship with our DPO, albeit at that point it was quite a tenuous one, it was a, an acquaintance mm. rather than anything else, I actually dealt, the, the way we met, I dealt with a data breach within the complaints department. I sort of had to speak to the customer about it and ask them to, to do the necessary actions to correct mm. it. And he actually sat there and listened to the phone call and made sure that I was telling them the right thing. And after then, you know, we sort of had a bit of an acquaintance type relationship. It allowed me to gradually become more aware of what he did for a living. So how he became a data protection officer, why he did it, you know, what he was doing in the company, what his job role was and what that entailed. And for me, the way that he described what he was doing, yeah, breach incident logs, you know, being able to respond to a data breach and just being able to have the flexibility to do lots of different things at once. That for me was a big draw. I hate being idle. I love multitasking. I'm really good at it. You know, I can do lots of things at once. And for me to keep my brain active, I need to be doing more things at once. So this seemed like a perfect role for me. And over the course of a couple of months, I think I sat down with him. You know, I had the odd question about how he went about doing his studying, you know, how he got into it, how easy it was to get into, which path he felt would be best for someone like myself who didn't really have any experience except what he'd given me, which was very small. You know, it was a very gradual sort of almost a year's process before I got to the point where I knew what I wanted which path I wanted to go down. Um, Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank it's, you. it's really interesting. Well, what would you say to someone who's interested in a career in data privacy, but worried about a career move into the sector, especially because we're still recovering from this pandemic? Businesses are downsizing. Staff have been made redundant. There's been people that have been furloughed. Is now a good time? You took that brave leap and you went for it. So last year, I went through all of that. I went through all of that in a period of four months. So I was made redundant. I then managed to get this job working, and I now remote work from home permanently. So I'll be going into an office maybe once every couple of weeks. So actually, I've been through, <laughs> I've been through that process in a very short amount of time. When I started becoming more active on LinkedIn, there were jobs all over the place. I wouldn't say there were very many there were a lot of data protection officer jobs and there were a lot of technical jobs, which I couldn't obviously apply for. But I knew that eventually that it's something would come up that I could do. 
And even if it was something that I didn't want to do forever, it was at least a way in and a foot in the door to the actual privacy world, which for me was all that I cared about. I didn't care about what job I did to start with. As long as I could get my foot in the door, you can go anywhere. Once you've been there, you know, six months, you can then start to look at other pathways. I would say it is a good time to join because actually people are more likely to invest in you, in your development, in your growth as a professional and as a person, because everyone's in the same situation. So everyone has a lot of empathy for the people around them. And actually a lot of people have potentially been in your situation. So they know how it's going to make somebody feel, or at least they have an idea as to how you're feeling. So actually they might be slightly more willing to give you that time and to give you that training and and the development to be able to progress you further within their company. The only thing I would say is that don't be looking for that exact job role or for that exact fit. The only thing that is going to make life easier for people who want to get into any industry at the moment is to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how lucky I was and how grateful I was Well, to have my job almost thrown at me. I understood that that wasn't likely to happen and therefore I was quite willing to accept anything that I could do within that world just to get me there so that I could then progress further. Awesome. I don't know if that answers your question. It does. <laughs> I love how you're uh, being so honest and transparent about everything. And I think this is what people listening really want to hear they want to hear real stories about real people and how they've made it into the data privacy industry and if they have some questions about is it for me is it not for me this is really going to produce so much value for people listening to really kind of help them make their mind either one way or the other i really want to thank you already for sharing all of that and we have a a long way to go yet (laughs) this is something i see is data privacy is a booming industry right I see most people that I'm congratulating are getting a job in data privacy. So that means there's lots of roles. Okay, maybe there's not that many entry-level roles. People need people to come in and hit the ground running. But there isn't enough people to cater for those demands. And one of the mistakes I see a lot of people making is they think they can go and learn how to pass an exam and become a data privacy professional. What are your thoughts on that? Passing an exam is all well and good. And the theory is all well and good. But nothing beats practical experience. Nothing, nothing beats it. The practical application of that knowledge is so different to being able to memorize facts. I'm not the greatest at retaining information. I've never been very good at taking exams. And it took me two attempts to pass my last exam. So I know where my weakness sits. However, I'm very good at learning as I go. I'm very, very good at finding a job being taught how to do it and just running with it. That's one of my best skills is that I can do that. But you ask me to just give you a fact or give you bits of information and I have to process that. It's all well and good having that information, but without the practical application, you are going to struggle and there are going to be gaps in your knowledge which you haven't necessarily thought of or haven't occurred to you. Whilst I can understand that passing an exam is great, it's a really great achievement and people should be really pleased and proud of themselves for doing that. For me, it's a nightmare. <laughs> I think the practical side of it needs to come along with that as well. But there has to be that passion as well. You can't do a job without liking it. It's, it's hell on earth trying to do a job that you hate every day, even working from home, getting out of bed and starting work without that passion. I wouldn't want to do it. Not anymore. <laughs> One of the things I love most about my career as a data privacy professional is every day I wake up looking forward to what the day brings. And I know every day has been different 
since the last day for as long as I've been in data privacy and I wake up every day feeling great. Whereas I remember before it used to be a struggle to get out of bed, to go and do the same job. Okay, yes, it was a job that were paid well, but still you're running the same process every day. And at one point you think, a robot could actually do this. They don't need me to be doing this. Is this what I imagined for my life? And it's not. And I think one of the great things about data privacy is it really allows people to come to work and live with passion. As Robert Bohr said in his podcast, you get to live with passion. And it's not just running a process mindlessly. It's you're actually doing a meaningful, rewarding job. So it's valued. Like you said, you're treated as a professional. You're not treated like a school kid. Even in some of the big multinational companies I've been exposed and had experience in, they still treat you a little bit like a student or a child that needs to be told and they manage this process for you. Whereas as a privacy professional, you're treated with respect and it really makes you feel good. I had a gardener ask me what I did and I went, oh, I'm in data privacy. And he just glazed over. (laughs) There was no no reaction whatsoever. It was just, oh, oh, that's nice. And he carried on with what he was doing. So, and that's, what is that? And I'm like, really? (laughs) I'm pretty sure you know what that is by now. But it's the same reaction. That was a a better reaction than some of my friends because some of my friends didn't even say anything. They just went, okay, and moved on. You know, that's just how, how it is. So it's a very dry subject matter. And if you're not passionate about it, if you don't get up in the morning and think, oh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what I've got in the mailbox today, um, that's going to stop you in your tracks. There's only so much you can learn before you sit there and think, oh, what did I do in my life to deserve this? And without that passion, it's not going to get any better. You know, you're not going to keep learning. You're not going to try and keep, you know, take in more information about lots of different things and researching everything else that comes along with it. You know, there were times when I would get through some of my uh, study and I would look at a topic and go, I know nothing about that. And I would veer off and learn something completely new so that I understood this one paragraph in the textbook. Mm -hmm. And not everybody would do that because they don't have that passion of learning. It's almost a requirement. It almost needs to be written into the requirement when you start studying. If you don't have a passion for this subject, you need to just stop now. (laughs) You know, I, I have had to give that advice to people before and say, if you don't genuinely love this, you are going to find it difficult, without a doubt. Absolutely. So, Emma, what challenges have you had to overcome in your role so far? Okay, so my biggest challenge, and one that still continues, toning down my complaints training. So <laughs> I instantly consider the customer's welfare, instantly, regardless of what the situation is. That's where my brain goes to first. And I sit there and think, as a customer service point of view, this is what we need to do. And that's not as a data protection officer or a data protection advisor, whoever it is you're you're dealing with, you need to sit in a very specific space to be able to, to cope with an incident when it does come in. And for me, I'm too quick at giving good customer service before protecting data. And that's only because... In the past 20 odd years, my focus in my career has been customer related. It's always been the people that I'm working for that have been, you know, my focus, the customers. So for me, the biggest challenge was toning that down, sitting in a data privacy seat and saying, this is what we need to do with the data. And this is what you need to do to protect that data and mitigate these circumstances. Because this data needs to be protected and it hasn't been as opposed to 
this is what you need to say to the customer because we've messed up, (laughs) Um, which is where I instantly go to. So for me, it is getting better. I mean, I've only been doing it now for seven months. So it is a very slow process. You know, you're talking about sort of 15, 20 years of training being overruled by six months. (laughs) It's not going to happen overnight. That's still a work in progress. It's good you managed to identify that. So because you've kind of laid the problem out very well, you're always halfway there to solving it already really well done yeah. for noticing that and uh, yeah it, it, it came up it became apparent very quickly <laughs> that's where I was sitting like in that is sort of ingrained in your previous role where you was a foster carer and instantly you're always thinking about your client and putting them first and being an advocate for them and yeah that's why you're instantly putting yourself in their shoes <laughs> it's so ingrained it's really hard to turn off but it is it is getting easier it's definitely getting easier and now my first focus is the data and, and what's happening with that but I still catch myself especially if I'm talking to the customer relations department I still find myself getting into those conversations with them and, and sort of trying to to steer them down a route which I know I shouldn't be doing so you know eventually I'll sit there and go I shouldn't be telling you this I'm really sorry I shouldn't be telling you how to do your job um, and then back <laughs> off a little bit and hope they don't hate me for it <laughs> All right, Emma. So when I speak to a lot of people, especially when they've been in uh, privacy for a very short amount of time, and one of the things I hear a lot of people discussing is imposter syndrome. What that basically means is when people first start the career, they feel as if either they don't know enough or they don't belong. Can you relate to what I'm talking about? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm one of three in our team and I've got a DPO, an assistant DPO, and then there's me. <laughs> And yeah, you know, as as you've heard, the only training I'd had was the small amount for my previous employer and then my studies. So, I mean, I was the least qualified person, I think, of all time (laughs) to start a job in privacy. So my DPO took a massive risk, you know, hiring somebody that, that didn't have really, when you look at it, any experience whatsoever in data privacy. The only experience I'd really had was life experience in the fact that I know how to keep my own data and other people's data safe. Even now I sit at my desk and I can't believe I'm there, really. I can't believe that it's happened the way it has. That's It's a a daily struggle. (laughs) How do you cope with that or overcome that? The way I deal with it is I know I ask probably too many questions. I rely on people slightly too much sometimes when I don't need to. Everybody gets like this. When you start a new job, and you've got someone there as a helper who will help train you and things like that. You start to rely on them even when you know what you're doing. So you'll be answering your own question when you're asking it to them and you know that you shouldn't be asking them the question and wasting their time. You kind of know what the answer is already. What I do is, (laughs) it's going to sound ridiculous, I pretend there's nobody else available. So I pretend that everyone's gone home for the day and I sit there and think to myself, if, if I was on my own, And I had this come up and it was just me. How would I deal with this? And then I try as much as I physically can to answer my own questions before I then reach out for help. And if I get to the point where, I mean, I literally can't think of anything and I'm really struggling at that point, I will then reach out for help because at that point, I know that my knowledge has come to an end and that actually there are gaps and it's okay to have gaps, but you need those gaps filling. So you, you need to go and ask for help. 
I try my very best to answer it as best I can. And then if I physically run out of ideas, I will then go and seek help, which gives me the sense that at least I know what I'm doing up to a point, but I also know that there's still things to learn. Great, thank you. I saw on one of your posts on LinkedIn that you had to compile a cookie report and present it to the executive board. Uh, How was that? So luckily, I was there when it was presented. I must be honest with you, I'm not the greatest at talking to people high up in the company as of yet, because I haven't had that experience. I'm quite good at having a conversation with somebody, but presenting information, especially information that I've compiled, I have a lot of self-doubt in the information that I have found and it's just that when I looked at it, I did sort of say, pretty sure there will be gaps, but if there are, let me know and I'll find out. And that's something that is, again, ingrained in me. There's that self-doubt. So I didn't have to present it. I was very nervous about doing it. Very nervous because, you know, these people are up there, you know, I'm sort of low down in the ranks. I'm sort of, you know, minion number one, if you like. And they're, you know, they're the people that are looking down at you going, well, why haven't you done it yet? So I was very nervous. It's just, it's just like presenting to anybody. The only difference is that they like it quick, concise and to the point because, you know, they have a lot of things that are on their mind. Your report is one of many. It's not going to be the be all and end all of their day. It's just going to be one extra part of their day. So you have to think about it that if you do present it and, you know, you do mess up presenting it, it's not the end of the world. But actually, if your report tells them what they need to know, They don't really need to listen to you anyway. They've already got it there in front of them. So what you're saying to them isn't going to necessarily break their day if you mess up. (sighs) Everything's going to be fine (laughs) to then get past that. And now that you've got that under your belt, how do you feel that's uh, helped you to grow as a professional? So for, for me, seeing things change as a result of my work has been huge. I never make impact. It doesn't matter where I work. I mean, I make a personal impact because I'll talk to anyone. But to have my actual work physically have an effect on not only the company, but the company's websites, you know, their cookie banners, their cookie policies. I've written some of their cookie policies. I've written some of their privacy policies. And to see that on a website and to see that change that potentially hundreds of thousands of people are going to see that's huge for me never happened before so I came away quite proud and quite smug about the whole situation because I thought yeah you know at least I'm making a difference and and actually at least it's happening the way I want it to now it's not a dream it's actually reality it's huge it's massive <laughs> love that yeah it was good and as you should amazing <laughs> I really love that Emma And I hear this thing quite often. It's only when you get a job as a privacy professional that you actually suddenly find that you have a meaningful, rewarding job where you're able to make a real impact and help hundreds of thousands of people by doing what you love to do. And a lot of my students come and say, I'm frustrated in my job. I hate my job. I'm doing it. I'm running a process. I don't really need to use my brain. I don't need to think. A robot could be doing it. Is this the reason I went and did all this hard work to do a process? And what they find is when they get themselves a job as a data privacy professional, suddenly now they wake up with a passion, they wake up with a purpose, and they find this meaning in a rewarding career. All right. So 
You've touched on a few things that you really love about your job. What is the single one thing that you most enjoy about your role as a privacy professional? Well, it's hard to pin down one thing. Look, I do love incident response. I will say that that's the biggest part of my role at the moment and potentially pretty much every day. I love the fact that I can put all of my complaints training into practice because I have to pick apart a situation. And I love picking apart situations and finding the root cause, picking it apart until you get to that one thing that's caused the problem and then saying, okay, well, what could have happened? You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but actually <clears throat> being able to sit there and say, well, you know, in the future, we need to be doing this. Yeah. You know, in the future, please don't send yourself information because <laughs> that's going to flag up and that's going to cause me a, a headache. You know, so that for me is a massive win because I can put all of my skills together in what I love doing. And I didn't think I'd be able to do that. You know, I started my privacy career thinking I'm going to have to put it all in a box, stick it under the bed and forget about it. Whereas now, you know, with incidents, I can use that investigation to be able to find out what's happened. And that has come from years and years of training and being able to do it in other roles. Mm. And I don't think I would find that as easy if I'd have just been thrown at it and not had that experience in the past. So for me, that's a huge thing to be able to put the two and two together. You mentioned a little bit about your past experience, and uh, I did say I'm going to come back to this. Now, a lot of people listening might be under some kind of impression that to, to become a data privacy professional, you need to be a lawyer or you need to have some kind of legal background or some kind of legal education. You don't have any legal education. In fact, you have a very creative education <laughs> and you have a variety of experience. So you're living proof that that's not the case. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? So I had the same question probably around April, May time last year when I knew I was going to be made redundant and I was studying for my qualification. I sort of got to the point where eventually, you know, I saw all these different lawyers on LinkedIn posting about GDPR and I thought, oh, goodness sake, am I have to, to go and, you know, get a law degree before I can even get into the world of privacy? So I put it on LinkedIn and said, you know, what, what do people advise? And I can remember who it was that that told me to, to stop worrying. And it was the DPO of Carnival Cruises. And he said to me, your customer relations background is your biggest strength. You have the ability to not only look at a privacy situation with a fresh set of eyes, but also with the ability to look beyond the obvious. You know, a lot of people are so focused on the data and what's happened that they can't see, you know, how to stop that from happening or, you know, what's best in the bigger picture. They see this is the data. This is what's happened. This is what should have happened. This is what we need to do in the future. They don't see everything around that, like the training or the culture of the company. And actually that sort of put me at my ease and stopped me from worrying and, helped me carry on with my studies because without that I think I probably would have veered off and started a law degree that I didn't want to do. <laughs> that for me was quite substantial in helping to continue my studies and actually continue my progression onto it. Great. So you are living proof that you don't have to have a legal background and you definitely <laughs> don't need to be a lawyer to succeed as a data privacy professional. All right, thank goodness. <laughs> Okay, a uh, question for you is, if you had to go back and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? Uh, that's a tough one, because there's probably quite a few. I'm a real worrier. 
uh, I, I worry all the time. So are we talking about like sort of age five or like a year? <laughs> Where would you like to be? I think a year might be good for now. <laughs> age five is a very different set of advice. Let's go back in for now. The advice I would give, draw on your strengths. Because actually, I do have a lot of self-doubt. I always have done. Um, and actually, sometimes it can be quite debilitating. You know, and there are some days where you get up and you think, oh, I'm no good at this. And I, I don't understand it. And I can't take it in. And, and actually, you know, retaining this information is impossible. You know, that's why I started doing the Star Trek project, because I wanted to test how much knowledge I'd retained because I didn't have a gauge as to how well I was doing or how badly I was doing and what the gaps were. So I think, you know, this time last year, I probably would have given myself the advice of start a project, add on to it, help yourself determine what you're learning and what you're missing, and that will make your journey easier. But at the same time, it's all a balance. You can't you can't constantly be trying to fill those gaps because you're still trying to learn other things. So you can't be constantly trying to learn, you know, several different things at once. It just won't go in properly. The advice I'd probably give is just relax. Make sure you know what you're learning. Make sure you can retain it. Make sure you know what you're retaining. Continue with that because it all works out in the end. <laughs> I'd love to be able to tell myself, you know, a year ago, it all works out. Everything's fine. Just relax. <laughs> So many people actually need to hear that. And I meet people all the time who are overthinking things or always doubting themselves. And one of the things that we start off with, with students that come and join the academy, is we start off with the mindset. So we strip away all of those self-limiting decisions, the things that are holding themselves back, and we build them up with this positive, world-class, professional privacy mindset. And that really launches everything that's about to come. Then we go and we really help them to grasp the theory, so the CIPPE, the European Data Protection Legislation. And then once we've done that, we delve them into masterclasses. So they don't just have the theory, but they are a subject matter expert by the time they come out of the masterclasses. And then we give them the practical experience. So you spoke about the importance of practical experience. So we make sure that they have a chance at doing this live or shadowing us so they actually get to apply that knowledge in practice. And so that when it comes to answering questions or solving those problems, they can really solve it. And finally, we really help them with the personal branding. So you spoke about how you was fortunate because someone on your LinkedIn saw a post from a network or a connection of yours and how that's really helped you to get to where you are now. So we put that whole package together. And I remember when I first reached out to you to join Privacy Pro's community, uh, you was like, I wish I had come across this a year ago. For someone that's thinking or on the verge of deciding whether they should jump in and join in the academy, what would your advice be to them? Go in with an open mind you may find certain aspects that you really do enjoy if you truly love it you it will suddenly click and you won't find it as difficult as you think I genuinely thought that I would understand very little and that I wouldn't get anywhere with it and that actually I'd end up just giving up and I surprised myself in the first month of studying with just how much I understood so it's always going to be easier than you think you know, you can build it up and build it up. But actually, when you're sat there learning about it, it will be surprisingly easy to understand. Think about the actual process of the academy. I mean, it sounds like a very well thought out process. You know, being able to start with a positive mindset and being able to start with that is is a great way of doing it, because actually there will be people who will be quite nervous about it and will be very worried, you know, like I was about not being able to understand it and actually being able to retain it. But the process sounds like it, it follows how it should. You know, you should be able to get that theory first and then move on to the practical side. 
Um, because as much as sort of hitting the ground running is great, without that practical, without that theory behind it, you are going to be lost. It's a, it's a well thought out process. If you were sat where we're sat and you had to ask yourself a question, what would that question be? And what would your answer be? Why, why didn't you start doing this three years ago? <laughs> it never even occurred to me. It never occurred to me that this was something that you could do as a career. I don't know why. It just seems like one of those. It's a bit like having a coffee taster for a coffee company. You know, you don't really think that they exist, but you know somewhere that somebody should at least be doing it in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and it never occurred to me that this was a career. It never occurred to me that this was something that people would do for a living. You know, I just thought it was something that everybody did as part of their role. I didn't think there was one person that did all of this. And then, you know, you just kind of help them along with it. If I'd have known, you know, three, five years ago that this was an actual job and that you could do it as a career, I think I'd probably go back and go, you need to start thinking about this. (laughs) Start doing it now, because in five years time, you're going to need it. Emma, where do you uh, see your future in data privacy? At the moment, I'd like to get to my year. That would be nice. You know, being in, in the in the industry for a year would be great. I've just passed my probation, so that's a win. Congratulations. <laughs> I would like to get to the point where I can see myself doing a DPO role in the far future. There's a long way to go before that for me personally. Getting to that point is my ultimate aim. But before then, I need to learn how to do, you know, records of processing activities. I need to learn, you know, how to do DPIAs. I need to learn how to do legitimate interest assessments. There's there's a whole range of things that I want to be able to do that, you know, there's courses that I want to be able to go on. There's degrees that I want to go and get. So it's a long process for me. But my next step is to try and find something to to really get my teeth into and learn something new. Great. And I'm sure you'll make a great DPO one day very soon. <laughs> and, yeah. See, that's the tough doubt. You definitely will, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to happen sooner than you think. Trust me. Trust yourself. Emma, I think you really need to just take a moment and just look back, have a look at everything you've managed to achieve. You're someone who has no previous experience or qualifications in either law or data privacy, but you've managed to work hard and study and you decided you wanted a career in data privacy as soon as you sat down and first got involved in your subject access request. And through all of your efforts, you've made it happen. Yes, you had a little bit of luck on the way, but luck favors the prepared person. You was prepared, and therefore, because of all the things you was putting out on your LinkedIn, you managed to secure yourself a dream role to get your foot in the door in data privacy. And as you said, now that you're in the sector, the world is your oyster. And I'm absolutely confident you're going to make a very fine DPO one day very soon, and I look forward to congratulating you on LinkedIn when you do. Now, what's also important here is to... Talk about some of the things that you've identified that are going to let you move on. So you talked about records of processing activities, data protection impact assessments, legitimate interest assessments. And this is one of the things that I recognize that companies need a lot of help with. And any privacy professional that's going to have a rewarding career needs to really master, which is why these are some of the things that we teach at the academy. So we teach all our students how to conduct record of processing activities. We teach them how to complete a data protection impact assessment. We teach them how to manage a subject access request. And we also teach them how to write privacy notices. 
And when you put all of that together with the mindset and the masterclasses on top of the CP certification, they really leave the academy super confident and ready to go and take over the data protection industry. Emma, so you've been a member of the Privacy Pros community for a short while now. How has it added value? It's really nice to see a lot of the opinions that are going around because the GDPR, in some ways, it's it's quite clear what you should be doing and it's quite clear at what you know what it sets out and you know you should be doing this you shouldn't be doing this and and all that sort of stuff but in other areas it's actually quite fluffy and there's not a lot of guidance and actually when you look at um you know the working party 29 they give you extra guidance but actually in some in some subjects you know it's not all that clear and it is a case by case basis and actually seeing some of the opinions around schools as well and the covid testing and things like that For me, that's quite interesting because I have a student in my house who has recently had a COVID test to go back to school. Um, And I was reading their privacy notice and sort of, you know, looking at that and how they were going to use that data. So actually, the exchange of ideas, I think, is really helpful, not just for me, but for the people who, you know, perhaps come across something in their studies, which has perplexed them slightly and has sort of made their brain work a little bit more than it, it should. And being able to have that as a, as a fallback to be able to, you know, throw the question out there and get lots of different opinions, one of those opinions will ring true with the person who's asked the question. Um, and I think that's a really useful tool. It's a really nice environment to be able to throw things like that into. There's no negative. Having that safe environment to do that in is almost a necessity, I would say. All right, fantastic. Emma, thank you so much for your time been a pleasure thank you take care if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe like and share so you're notified when a new episode is released remember to join the privacy pros academy facebook group where we answer your questions thank you so much for listening i hope you're leaving with some great things that will add value on your journey as a world-class privacy pro please leave us a four or five star review and if you'd like to appear on a future episode of our podcast or have a suggestion for a topic you'd like to hear more about, please send an email to team at kzient.co.uk. Until next time, peace be with you.